Yeah. Man, I am so excited to see you this morning. So glad that you're here with us today. And I love Easter. I really, really do. And it's a great joy to meet together and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Glad that you're here. Hey, I just want to take a second as we get started. And I want to talk about the blue cards that are in the seat in front of you. Uh, they are our connect cards. They are our way of connecting with you. And there's something specifically I want to point out to you. So if you would, grab one of those blue cards, pull it out, and just wave it at me so I know you got one in your hand. Go ahead and pull them out. Awesome, awesome. Now, if you're new to Coast, if this is your first time, you may feel a little reluctant about filling these out. I get it. I'm, I'm kind of careful with my information as well, so I understand it totally. That's why we always want to assure you that we won't sell your information to any mailing list or anything like that. We won't even put you on our own mailing list unless you check a box on there that says it's okay. And so we're not going to pop in at your door or anything like that. So your information is totally safe. And I just want to tell you that uh, it gives us a record of your visit. Also, if you'll take that blue card, if this is your first time, if you'll take that blue card to our First Steps desk, which is right to the right as you go out the door, uh, you'll see some volunteers there, some uh, of our Dream Team members. If you'll take that to them, if it's your first time, they've got a special gift that they want to put in your hands uh, today. Now, let me show you a couple of things. On the back of the card, there's a place where you can put your prayer request. If you've got a prayer need, I want you to know there's a team of people that will pray over your, your prayer request. And we just see God do miracles. We've got a praying group of people. And so if you've got a prayer need, please let us know, and we'll be praying for you about that. We believe in the power of prayer. Amen? Amen. If you flip the card over, there's one more thing I'm going to show you. At the very bottom of the card, there's a little line that says, How did you hear about Coast Community Church? Now, this is very important to us, and I'll tell you why. We have a heart to reach people in our community with the love and the message of Jesus Christ. We want to reach people who are far from God, people who aren't in church already, people who are hurting and, and their lives, maybe they're struggling in their lives, and, and we want to reach them. So we're always looking for the best way to reach people. So when you share your information about how you heard about us, it lets us know that that's a way that works. So if you'd fill that out, it would kind of help us greatly as we reach out to our community. Amen? Amen. I want to mention one other thing before we jump into the Eastern message. Uh, a few months ago, a couple of months ago, uh, one, of our, uh, one of our board is the director of Globe Evangelism, and he asked me if I would consider going on a trip to speak to missionaries in Sri Lanka uh, in late September, early October. And this morning I woke up to the news that uh, on Easter Sunday in Sri Lanka, there was bombings that happened, and that over 200 people in churches and a couple of hotels, uh, so far over 200 are reported dead. And so I want to just take a second, because people are celebrating Easter all over the world, and this is just a horrendous thing, and I know it's kind of a, uh, a tough thing to think about on Easter morning, but would you just join me as we pray for the people of Sri Lanka? Lord, we just lift up Sri Lanka to you. Father, I know that right now there's a lot of people who are hurting and broken and they're, they're, they're saddened by what has happened. Father, I pray that you would bring healing and hope to them in Jesus' name. That, Father, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you said that you would bring comfort to lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bring comfort uh, to the people and the families who have lost loved ones today. Father, I pray that, that the, uh, the people who did this would be brought to justice. Lord, again... 
we look at times like this and, and things like this that we see in our world and it's so prevalent in our culture and our world today. And Lord, we ask that somehow in the midst of this that you would be Lord of all, that you would touch lives and, and make a difference. And we bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You know, I've been thinking a lot this week about Easter and kind of preparing for the Easter message. I've got something I want to share that I hope will make this morning a significant morning. You know, as we think about Easter, there's two distinct components to Easter that we really think about the most. First off, there is Good Friday where believers, uh, we celebrate the cross and what Jesus did on the cross. And then there's the Sunday part where we celebrate the resurrection. And really, those are the two major events. There's all a whole week worth of events that happen, but those two events stand out as the ones that really make up our Easter celebration weekend. But here's the thought. I know that a lot of people identify with the Friday part, and I'm not so sure that people really realize what the Sunday part is all about. I mean, the Friday part is where Jesus did for you what no one else would do for you. And that is he took your penalty of sin that has to be paid for. Let me say it this way. All of us have committed sin. Amen? Amen. Every one of us have blown it. Every one of us have had that happen. The Bible's very clear that the wages of sin is death. All right? So there's a price that has to be paid. Somebody's got to die for it. And so what Jesus did is he basically stepped into the courtroom of your life and he said, I'll take the sentence. I really don't want you to have to die. I'm going to die for your sins. I'll pay the bill for you. So it wasn't just a display of love, which it was love. And it wasn't just a display of power, which there was great power. But it was more than that. He was actually conducting a transaction that has to take place. And I like to say it like this. Hell is not a place where God sends people that he's mad at. Hell is a place where people decide to pay their own bill. Last Sunday, uh, I had a really kind of an interesting thing happen. Uh, a friend of mine that I hadn't seen for years, he was the drummer in a band that I used to play with in North Carolina. And I hadn't seen him for a few years. He's now a pastor uh, up in North Carolina. He called me and said, I'm coming into town. I'm going to see you. And I was so excited about that. And so he came in, he sat with me. And after the service, we went out to get lunch together. And it was great, you know, kind of catching up on things and talking about our families and laughing about, you know, old rock and roll band days and things like that. And, and uh, uh, you know, so it was just a fun time. So we came to the end of our meal. And at the end of our meal, uh, we asked our waiter for the check. And the waiter says, oh, somebody's already paid the bill. Now, that's a great feeling, <laughs> right? I mean, it is. Let's be honest. I mean, that's a great feel. And, you know, I don't, we don't know who did it. But if you're here this morning, thank you so much. Uh, for that. So the, bill, so the bill was paid. Now, it would have been silly for me, even ridiculous to say, no, 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 I'm paying my own way here, right? I want to pay this bill. I want to give you some money. Why would that be silly? Because it's already been paid for. You see, that's what Jesus did for us. He paid for our bill. And you don't have to be a member of this church to get in on this transaction. He asked only one thing. He says, since I gave you my life fully, would you give your life fully? to me. That's it. What he wants is he wants to come alongside of you in your life and be a part of your life. He wants to be your best friend. 
He wants to love you. He wants a relationship with you. And if you've never done that, then I pray that today will be your day. And I guarantee you, I promise you, it'll be the most memorable Easter of your entire life. So here's the thought that I want to share with you this morning. And I really want you to think about it. If Friday, the, 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 the cross, if Friday was so complete, if Friday was so powerful, if Friday took care of everything that you and I need, then why did there have to be a Sunday? Right? Why wasn't Friday enough? So here's the question. Why did Jesus rise from the dead? And there's a lot of answers to that question, right? Hopefully that's what preachers all over the world are speaking about today. Why did he have to rise? And there's answers like this. There's answers like this. He did it to prove that he really was who he claimed to be. In other words, he wanted to prove to us that he really was who he said he is. Like it's one thing to make a claim. It's another thing to back it up. Man, he wanted us to see that he's not dead. He's alive. And that's powerful. In fact, no other person, no other God, little g God, has ever done that. No one has even claimed to have done that. That's what makes our God unique. That's what makes our God, God. Amen, everybody? That's what we're here to celebrate today. All right? To which the skeptics may say, well, Robert, you know, that's, that's your myth. I mean, that's, that's a fable you Christians believe. But see, the truth is, there were so many people, not just Christians, but, but, but people who testified to seeing Jesus after his death. Even in extra-biblical accounts, like the writings of Josephus, they reported that 400 people reported, their historical documents saying 400 people saw Jesus after his death. The book of Acts even talks about it. It says, after and it's talking about the Friday incident. After his suffering, he presented himself to many people. And he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Now that's amazing. That's, that's something incredible to talk about. It makes for a great message. But that's not really going to be my focus for today. Why did Jesus need to rise from the dead? Here's the one that I think is really kind of unique because a bunch of you, you know God. You've had the Friday experience. You understand the cross. But I think for a bunch of you, there's another reality that I want to make available for you today. And that is that Jesus rose from the dead to conquer death, not just for himself, but listen. See, I I think my fear is that many of us, we get the historical reason for Easter. We understand that, and that's good. We should. But there is more to Easter than the historical reality. Easter provides power for you to come alive as well. He conquered death. And not just for himself, but for you and for me. And he actually says that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Now this is after his resurrection. Jesus appears after his resurrection to one of his disciples named John. And listen to what he says to him, because I love this passage. This is one of my favorite passages. Listen to what he says. He says, I am he who lives and was dead. I love that. I love that. All the other gods are dead. I was dead. And then he says, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And then Jesus does the coolest thing. He amens himself. (laughs) it's like Jesus that's some good preaching amen and I identify with that because sometimes you know if you guys ain't amening quick enough I'll amen myself good preaching pastor that's right amen right 
And so, uh, you know, I love that. I love that idea, right? Uh, and, and then in the next line, and I find this, this next line really, really funny. And I know I've got a weird sense of humor. I, I get kidded about that all the time. But this is funny to me. Listen to what he says. He says, and I now have the keys to Hades, to hell. Guys, in other words, the devil is so defeated, he doesn't even have the keys to his own place anymore. You understand? I don't know if I, but I find that funny. I think it's hilarious to me. Jesus, between Friday and Sunday, he confronted the devil and he took back the keys of Hades and death. Now that's more than funny. That's a reality that you need to understand. And you need to understand it for this reason. Because keys unlock things. They unlock things. Basically what Jesus was saying is, I was resurrected so that I could possess the power to unlock death for everyone. That's amazing. Now, that's important because I think there's a lot of people who've had the Friday experience. You know you're going to heaven. You know that you believe in Jesus, but you're still walking around in destruction and despair and defeated and full of misery. And what I'm saying is you've had the Friday experience, but you've not had the Easter experience. In other words, you've celebrated it, but you haven't experienced it yet. And so that's why all throughout the New Testament, the Bible doesn't just say that it wants you to get saved. And it doesn't just want you to be a church member. It doesn't want you to just believe. Paul says this in his letter to the Philippians. Look at what he says. He writes, I want to know Christ, that's the Friday, and the power of his resurrection. That's the Sunday. That's the Easter. He wants you to understand both. He wants you to experience both of those. So a couple of questions as we get started this morning. Have you had the Friday experience? Do you know Christ? And if you haven't had the Friday experience, you can. It can happen in a moment. Your life can change today, this morning. You can know Christ. You can have your sins forgiven. You can have eternity finalized forever. But you know when you die, you're going to spend eternity with Christ forever. And if you've never had that Friday experience, man, I'm going to give you a chance in just a moment. You can know Him. You can have your sins forgiven. It's so important. All right? But for many of you, many of you that are here, you've already had that experience. All right? And so the real question I want to ask you, and this applies to every single one of you, is do you know the power of the resurrection? Do you know the power of the resurrection? In other words, after you gave your heart to Jesus, did you allow the resurrection to come in and confront the parts inside of you that are dead and dying? Honestly, I'm talking about this because there's so many people that I talk to who come up to me and say, you know what, I know God. I know that I'm going to heaven, but my life is ruined. They say to me, Robert, I just messed up my life. My life is, is ruined. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that word, ruined, ruined. I think about it a lot. It's an interesting word, ruined. I was thinking about it this week as I worked on this. God has the ability to resurrect the ruins of our life. There's a song that the band's going to sing in just a little bit. And by the way, band, what an awesome job this morning. You guys were just fantastic. There's a song they're going to sing at the close of the service today that I absolutely love. It says, the resurrecting king is resurrecting me. I'm rising up from the ashes of defeat. And I think there's a lot of thought. Uh, I think it's an interesting thought because I think a lot of people go, you know what? 
uh, I, I can be forgiven, but the truth is, is I've still messed up my life. I've still messed it up so bad. I can never go back. My life can never be now what it was supposed to be. I mean, I realize God's going to forgive me and I'm going to heaven, but I've just blown it so bad. I messed up so bad. I, I'll never be able to do what I was supposed to do. I've ruined my life. My life is ruined. I'm messed up. I'm scarred. So even if I do get saved and God forgives me of everything, it really doesn't matter because I'm ruined. Robert, Robert, I'm I'm ruined. My life is ruined. My marriage is ruined. My, My relationships are ruined. My finances are ruined. I've had my chances. I've blown it. It's ruined. It's ruined. If you look up that word in the dictionary, it means exactly probably what you think it means. The definition of ruin is something reduced to a state of decay, collapse, or disintegration. Another definition says it this way, the disastrous disintegration of someone's life. I'm in ruins. I'm in ruins. This past week, most of us watched, along with all the world, in horror as the Notre Dame Cathedral was engulfed in flames. And it made me think about something. In uh, Scotland, just outside of Glasgow, there is a city uh, called St. Andrews. And uh, St. Andrews is a very famous golf course. It's one of the most famous in the world. And it's known worldwide as the old course. But see, a lot of people don't know there's also some uh, very important historical places around there. See, on one side, of the, the golf co- one, one side of the city is the golf course, which is like a premier destination for a lot of golfers. It's like a bucket list place. But on the other side of the city, there are some, there's an old cathedral. It was called St. Andrew's Cathedral, and it looks like this. It was built in the 1200s. It was consecrated around 1318. And uh, somewhere around 600 years after, uh, or I'm sorry, 60 years after it was built, it burst into flames and burned to the ground. They rebuilt it, and a few years later, it burned to the ground again. They rebuilt it again, and it burned to the ground again. They rebuilt it one more time, and it burned down to the ground. And then somewhere in the 1600s, they said, enough of that. And they just stopped rebuilding it. And they stopped rebuilding it. And since the 1600s, it's looked like this, right? In other words, they just gave up. And see, I think that's what describes a lot of people's lives. I think a lot of people go, you know what? I tried to get my life in order, and it's just messed up. I tried to get my finances in order, and now I'm in bankruptcy. I tried to make good choices, and then I blew it again. Students, I tried to make good grades, and I messed up. It's already on the record. I'm ruined. Like, it doesn't matter how many A's you make. You know, you can only pull those F's up so far. I'm ruined. I messed up. I'm ruined. Listen to me. Something being ruined is absolutely a fact unless you have resurrection power. Right? Where the things that are dead can be brought back to life. Only with Jesus can the ruins of our life come back to life. And I want you to believe that this morning. This, I mean, I mean this very, very seriously. So I have a prayer for you this morning. It's out of the book of Ephesians. This is actually a, a Bible prayer. And I've been praying for you this week, this prayer. And it says this, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great His power is to help those who, what? Who believe Him. Who've had the, the Friday experience, man. You, you believe Him. 
And here's my point. Some of you get to the belief part and you just stop. And you never get to the Sunday part where you have the victory. And the Bible goes on to say, there is power available, the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. It's a lie for our life. So you get your sins forgiven, but it's time to rise up and to live in victory. God has something for your life, and the resurrection is all about that. That's what it's for. It's for our life to be different. Now, I don't know what power it took to raise Jesus out of the grave, but it wasn't a one-time thing. See, that power is available for your marriage this morning. It's available for your morals. It's available for your emotions. It's available for your finances. And I really think that sometimes it's hard for people to believe that. You might be sitting here thinking, well, of course you're going to say that, Robert. You're a pastor. Well, you don't know me. You don't know the old me. You don't know what my life used to be like. You don't know the person I used to be. Man, I haven't always, I wasn't born a pastor right? I was raised up in church, but when I got older, I drifted away from it. By my early part of high school years, uh, I started playing in a, in a rock and roll band, and we were playing dances and things like that. By my senior year, I was playing the bars, and I was already doing all the things that kind of go with that lifestyle. And man, I started making a mess of my life. A couple of years into it, I met Vicky and started dating, and we got married, and you know, truly, man, my life was a mess. And we were young. I was, I, was, I was 21 all of seven days when we got married. And my life was a mess. And Vicky says, we, we got to do something. We can't keep living like this. We're not going to make it if we live like this. And so her idea was, because neither one of us really went to church or had a relationship with God, she says, here's my idea. Let's, let's move. Let's move somewhere. And so uh, we moved to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I just want to say hello to my Carolina family that are here visiting. And we're so glad to have you guys here today. But we moved to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And how many of you know you can, you can move out of your area, but you carry you with you? You know what I'm talking about? And I got there, and it wasn't long before I had a new band, and I was still doing the same old stuff that I'd been doing before. My life was exactly the way that it was. And I remember... Uh, Vicki started going to church, and I watched God change her life. And through a whole series of events, I'd love to tell you the whole story. Matter of fact, I will sometime. But, but I, I, was, I finally reached a point to where I couldn't take it anymore. And I remember going and getting on my knees in my little apartment in Kernersville, North Carolina. And I said to God, God, I don't, I don't have anything to offer you. In other words, I'm saying, my life's ruined. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just a, a pile of ruins. I don't have anything to offer you. I don't have anything worthwhile to give you. I'm so messed up, I can't even imagine that you would really want me. Nevertheless, God, I'm giving you my life, and you can do whatever you want to do with it. And man, that was the beginning of changing my life. See, God was pursuing me. Brennan Manning calls it the great pursuit, or the faithful pursuit of the great lover. And that's what it was. You know, that very day, my life changed. I crossed over from death into life. I started a journey towards living the life that is really life. And I stand before you here today as a testimony to the grace of God. Because God could take my ruined life and begin to use it. He can do the same with yours. So kind of how I want to end up the, the, the message today is I want to give you an invitation to start a journey today that will rebuild the ruins of your life. 
that will take your life and make it better. Help you come back to life. In fact, that's my deepest hope as a pastor, is that I can take people on a spiritual journey where your life can be changed. Hi, I'm Robert. I'm your tour guide. (laughs) I want to take you on a journey to see your life get better. And see, I like to think that's what Jesus is all about. That's what Jesus came to do. In fact, in the early days of Jesus' ministry, he once went to the temple, and the Bible says he went over to a place where the Old Testament scrolls were. He pulled out the book of Isaiah, and he began to read Isaiah 61. And he read that whole thing, and then he set it down, and he said to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence. In other words, this is what I came to do. And because I'm alive, I can make this happen in your life. And I want to read this passage to you. And as I do, I hope that if you'll watch this, that maybe you'll see something you've never seen when you've read this passage. There's a spiritual progression in this passage. Matter of fact, it's a spiritual progression that we've built our whole church around. Four steps. And I'm going to show them to you really quickly. All right, here it is. He read uh, from Isaiah 61, and he said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And that word poor there doesn't necessarily mean financially poor. He's talking about people who are bankrupt in their soul. So I'm here to speak good news to them. He wants to let you know, look, you don't have to pay for your sins. That's good news. We call it the gospel. That's the Friday experience. You don't have to pay for your sins. But he doesn't leave it there. In fact, he goes on to say, he, talking about God, has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And so after you have this moment, and it can happen in a moment, just like it did for me back in my apartment in North Carolina all those years ago, now there's a process where you can begin healing all the places where you've hurt. Some of you that came in this morning, you're carrying some deep hurts. Maybe you've got some wounds from life. There's some things that happen in your life that maybe shouldn't have ever happened. Maybe the things that you did or things that somebody did to you and you've got some pain. And you're, you're here and you're wondering, man, does God care? My answer to you this morning is he absolutely cares. And he's got a process to help you get better. Listen to what he says. He says, uh, I'm here to proclaim freedom for the captives. Release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, you're going to sense God beginning to work in your life and start changing you. Then it says, in the day of vengeance of our God, He'll confront the enemies in your life. He'll confront those demonic principalities that have come against you in your life. He says, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion. In other words, I want to heal your life. But check this out. It's not, he says, I, I don't want to just save you. I don't want to just heal you. But he says, I want to take it another step. I want to go a little bit deeper. I want to bestow upon you a crown of beauty for ashes. That's powerful. God wants to make you beautiful. He didn't want to just save you. He didn't want to just heal you. He wants to take that broken life. He wants to take the ruins of your life and bring back beauty to them. He wants to restore the cathedral. He says to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. Watch this, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And the result is these broken things now will be called oaks of righteousness. I love that. And there are people all throughout this church, if you were to talk to some of the people in this room and say, tell me your story, they would tell you a story of great brokenness. 
things that, that, that they had done, mistakes that they made, places that they had messed up, regrets that they had, things that they wish they had never done. Or maybe it was things that was done to them. Things of, of abuse or hurt or pain or things that people said over them and spoke into their life that were just horrendous. That should never have happened. You know? And they would say, but that's not my life. I'm not basing my life off of that. I'm not living like that now. They went from being people who have no hope to something that is beautiful. And they become pillars in this church. They become oaks of righteousness. They reflect the glory of God. And we marvel at what God has done in their life. They are oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. In other words, you'll look at them and say, man, look at you. I can't believe what God has done in your life. I can't believe the changes in your life. I remember the brokenness. I remember the hurt. I remember the pain. And I look and I see the beauty and the splendor and the glory of God on your life. It's a powerful change. It's, a, it's an important change. right? But God doesn't stop there. He doesn't just save you. He doesn't just heal you. He not only restores you to something beautiful, but he goes on to say, now those same people will rebuild the ancient ruins. See, now they're going to go around and start making impact into the ruins of other people. Restore the places that are devastated. They'll renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And see, what I'm saying to you guys this morning is that Easter is not just an event. It's an invitation to a process. To let God begin to work in your life in such a way that he will bring beauty from the ashes of your ruins. That's what he wants to do. Your ruins can come back to life. And you might say, well, how? Well, thank you for asking. I want to tell you. I want to just tell you really, really quickly four action steps, and we're going to close after these. Four things that you can consider this morning. And if you're carrying your own sin, if you're here and you're dying, uh, and I know we're all dying. I mean, I, I get that. But I mean, you know, you, you can feel your life kind of fading away. You're, you're dealing with spiritual death then I want to just tell you, here's the first step. And I know this is profound. Forgive me, I'm a very simple guy. But the first step is, number one, stop dying. (laughs) Just stop doing it. Stop doing it. It's time to make a spiritual decision right here, right now. Uh, You know, I mean, why put it off? In other words, I'm making a decision today to go back from death into life, and I'm going to change my life today. C.S. Lewis, man, who wrote The Lion and the Witch and the Wardrobe, The Chronicles of Narnia, he said this in The Chronicles of Narnia. He says, Easter is death working backwards. That's powerful. Jesus is the only one that can take our ruins and breathe life back into them and restore us to his original intention. And all you have to do is give him your life. And I know this is true because not only have I done it, I've seen so many of you do it. I've seen your ruins come back to life. You say, well, what's the catch, Robert? Because there's always a catch. Well, Jesus said this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And here's the catch. He who believes in me will live. That's the catch. And then he says, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. Talking about your physical body. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And here's the catch one more time. Do you believe this? That's the catch. That's the action step. God's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for you to clean your life up and get everything all perfect before you come to Him. He's saying, come to me just like you are. 
Man, with your hurts, your habits, your addictions, your hang-ups, the flaws that are in your life, those things that you've been trying to get rid of that you can't. He says, come to me just like you are. And the man, he'll receive you. And see, that's available for you today. And again, a lot of you, maybe you've already experienced that part of the journey. But there's another part. Remember, this is a process. So not only does he save you, now he wants to begin to heal those broken places. So stop dying. And then number two, start rebuilding. Start rebuilding. And rebuilding is a process. You have to go on a journey. It's not just a matter of coming here on Sunday mornings, hearing some great music or a relevant message or that sort of thing. No, you need to understand the church alone was never meant to change your life. Church was always designed to be a catalyst for you to want to change your life. And see, guys, my perfect Easter is not having a packed church on Sunday morning. My, my, my perfect Easter is having people come back next week and say, I'm ready to start that journey. I want to be in that process. Right? Here's how we say it here. If you'll give us one year of your life, and listen, it, I don't even think it's going to take that long, but if you'll give us one year of your life, and, and I, I know this is, a, this is a big ask, but I'm about to make you a big promise. If you'll give us one year of your life and do this promise, connect with our Next Steps folks at the Next Step decks and, and start taking the next steps in your life, I promise you in one year, if not earlier, your life will be different. Your life will be better. I guarantee it. See, grace will meet you where you are, but it will never leave you where it found you. Never. It wants to take you on a journey of healing. But guys, it doesn't just stop there. God wants to take the the ruins, this person who made all the bad decisions, whose morals were ruined, whose mind was ruined, whose finances were ruined, whose, whose marriages were ruined. And he doesn't want to just save you and heal you. He wants to help you become beautiful again. And sadly, so many people I meet, they don't believe that. And I get it because I didn't believe it either at that point. So what I need you to do is this third thing. You need to stop dying. You need to start rebuilding. And then number three, you need to stop doubting. I want you to believe. And listen to me. I want you to believe with all of your heart that you can become an oak of righteousness. You can be somebody that people will say, I can't believe what's happened in your life. Oh, yeah. Only God can take those broken places and make them beautiful again. And I want you to know that. And this is the one that's the most personal to me because, like I said, I never believed this for myself. It's still amazing to me. It's still amazing to me that I'm standing up here on a Sunday morning speaking life into you. It's just a testimony of the grace and the goodness of God. I stand here not because of my own accomplishments, but because of how great our God is. I'm telling you, God can take the ruins of your life and make you an oak of righteousness. I want you to know something this morning. God sees greatness in you that you can't see in yourself. Just let him show it to you. And I want to be a part of that process, right? One of the things that we love here is we love to see people saved, healed, and discovered that you have an amazing purpose for your life. And so I'd love to help you find out what that is. Here's the last one. So once you stop dying, you start rebuilding, you stop doubting, and then you do what life is really all about is you start living. I meet so many people who don't really live. They're just existing. They're just going through the day-to-day stuff, but they miss out on everything that God has for them. See, Jesus said, he didn't say, I came into this world to condemn you. Jesus said, "I, I came here so that you might have life. 
In other words, I want you to learn how to really live. He said abundant life, life to the full. That's my plan for you. That's what I want to do in your life is I want you to live a real life. And you might say to me, well, Robert, what is living? Living is when you take somebody who was broken, felt like they have absolutely nothing to offer, and now they're back in the back working with children and speaking life into them and helping them realize that there's a God who loves them. But living is, is a person who goes from week to week to different prisons and speaks into the lives of men and women who believe that their life is ruined and in ashes and says, no, you can live again. And God can still use you even right where you are in the midst of this. God can make beauty from those ashes. Man, living is when you look at your life and think, I have absolutely nothing to give. And God starts pouring into your life and you're able to stand here on a stage like I am right now and speak into the the beauty and the majesty of this great God. That's what it's all about. That's what living is. And so I'll close with this thought. And this is a big deal to me. Because I think, honestly, religion is communicating something different than this. If you take the average person and said, what do you think you've learned from church? Some of them will say, here's here's what I think some people will tell you. They kept telling me how bad I am. They kept telling me all the things that was wrong with me and wagging their fingers at me. Here's what I want you to know this morning. And that is, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. I want you to catch that. I want that to be the story of your Easter. I don't want you just to experience the Good Friday. You need to experience the Good Friday. But you also need to experience the resurrection and let Jesus come alive inside of your life. He wants to take all your broken pieces and bring them back, blow his breath into them, and take you to a new place. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I just thank you so much. And I just want to ask for the next few minutes, just for a couple of minutes, as you bow your heads with me, that everyone would remain really still. Just respect these next few minutes because I'm going to ask people to make a decision. So if you're here today and you say, Robert, as you're speaking, I understand what you're saying. I understand. Maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never invited him into your life. You've never asked Him to be the Lord of your life. Today's a great day to take that step. I want you to know one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life was to say yes to Jesus Christ. To realize, and I didn't even realize until I said yes to Him how desperately I needed Him. And then when I said yes to Him, He began to change my life. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Him. I mean, you know about Him. You know what you've heard about him and all of that, but you don't have a relationship with him yourself. And if that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. Or maybe you're here and there was a time that you were walking with him, but you've slipped away. And you know you're not where you need to be in that relationship. Can I just tell you, God's calling you home today. He's calling you to himself. He's calling you back to that relationship. So if either of those places describe you, if you say, you know what, Robert? I've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life, and I need to today. Or you say, hey, Robert, I need to get things right with Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want to ask you to do something very bold. Nobody's looking around. It's just me and me and you. But if you, if you are, would you just raise your hand and say, Robert, would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I, I see it. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that hand. 
I believe there's more. Come on, this is your opportunity. Set things right. Let me say it like this. If you were to die today, do you know if you would go to heaven? If you can't answer that question, yes, today's the day to make it right. So one more time, anybody else? Any other hands? Thank you. Lord, thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. I see you. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. I want you just to pray this prayer with me. It's right where you are. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it to him. He'll hear you. You can pray it in your heart. Say, dear Jesus, come in and be the Lord of my life. As much as I know how, as much as I know how, I'm going to turn my life back to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's my prayer for you this morning, is that you would have taken the the Easter experience into your heart, that you would know him, that you would know the power of his resurrection, that he would begin to work in your life, that you would start that process and let God do inside of you what he wants to do. And I promise you it'll change your life. It'll make your life better. And that's my prayer and my hope for you. Hey, I'm so glad that you came out and you spent your Easter Sunday with us. Man, that's awesome. I want to invite all of you back next week. Next week we're starting a brand new series called White Flag, The Power of Surrender. We're going to talk about that there's some things that we need to kind of give up on. Did you know that? That there's some things in your life you need to give up on. There's things like we need to surrender our feelings of inadequacy. We need to surrender our need for control. We need to surrender our right to be offended. We need to surrender our longing for approval. We're going to talk about those things over the next four weeks. And then next week after the service, we're having a party. We're having a thing called the after party. We're going to have food trucks out here. We're going to have inflatables for the kids. There's going to be all kinds of fun things going on. It's going to be a fun day. Don't miss it. Be back next week for Easter, I mean for uh, the, the new series. This was Easter. Be back for the new series next week. Again, so glad to see you. If you would, raise your hands. I want to pray one more prayer. Father, I thank you for every person that's here. I pray your blessings upon you, upon them. Pray that you would give them wisdom in all that they do, that they would walk in wisdom according to your word. Lord, let your favor be upon their life. Father, I pray that you would just give them divine appointments, that they could tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. And then, Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name, that you would bless them in all that they do. Amen. God bless you guys.